Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me today Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Timothy. Hello. We're a book club for games. But not today. Today we're going to talk about... The Xbox leaks. Switch 2. And the Unity dumpster fire. It's a news app. We haven't done one of these for ages. So, let's start with the Xbox leak. I mean, this completely passed me by because all I was doing was reading about the Unity dumpster fire. <laughs> tell me, tell me what I should care about for the Xbox leak. So, it's interesting. Microsoft is the one who leaked all these FTC documents to the world. Th- this was because they had to submit some kind of filing for the antitrust thing or merger thing or something. I'll go the latter. I'm not sure. It don't think it matters. Yeah, and and they submitted, they submitted like a redacted document, but they also just accidentally attached a bunch of unredacted documents too. Can happen. Yeah, they, they got a grad to do it or something. They were like, "Oh, this is a good internship project." <laughs> well, let's give it to the guy who's, who who we fired, but he's just working through the day. Uh, but yeah, so the consensus is that the leak was actually Microsoft's fault. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I feel like some of the revelations that came out of the leak were just like, didn't we know this already? But I guess now we know no, whereas before it was just speculation. Like there were rumours that these things were true, but now we know that they are definitely true because we've literally got an email about it. Yeah, let's go through them. Because the first one I quite liked was Phil Spencer wasn't impressed by the PS5 reveal. So they thought they had a performance advantage and also they had a back catalogue advantage. And I I would say they're right. (laughs) I was really? I thought everyone would go to Xbox. I was ready to buy an Xbox after the PS5 reveal. Yeah, you know what? At the time, maybe they looked right. They did have better specs and they did have some... Some good exclusives. But I would say it didn't actually really pan out for them. Like, I, I don't think no, Xbox has significantly dented PlayStation's dominance of the console market. Although I say dominance, like, is that really true? Maybe you know, the Switch actually really is probably the dominant one in a way. Yeah, but no one brings it into the, the war. It's not the same war that they're fighting. They're not fighting. Yeah, it's a different battle. Yeah, it's basically... Shigeru Miyamoto sitting on top of Olympus while like the peons fight beneath him. And everyone always seems to believe, oh, you can have a an Xbox plus a Switch. You can have a PS5 plus a Switch. You can't just it, they're not um I don't mind my brain is too early for me. Mutually exclusive. Yeah. Though I, I think actually maybe this is actually also true of xbox right like you can have a ps5 and an xbox series s you could i guess because that's the other surprising stat right that at least at the time of the dock that was in this league 75 percent of xbox series i was gonna say i i don't know what letter can i use the placeholder when x is one of the versions you know the s the s was outselling the X. 75% of Xboxes were the Series S as opposed to the X. Though now it's believed it's more like 50-50. But still, the S the S numerically did extremely well. That's so surprising. I would never expected everyone to buy the... It's like what you mentioned earlier. We just... We're not all the people. Well, I, I, I didn't buy either. I'm... The only console I have now is a Switch. Yeah, but if you were... No, but for instance, if I gave you the the option of an X or an S, which one would you buy? I mean, well, if you gave me that option, I would buy an X. But like, exactly. if, you, but if I was going to buy one, I, I might buy an S, genuinely. Like, Why? Just because like, if I want to play a game with high fidelity, I'd play it on my PC. And if I've got the S, it's just purely as like a second device. It's like a little, you know, it's a little thing just to play the exclusives on. I don't want to spend very much on it. 
But there, there are no exclusives on the S, right? Everything's on well, the PC I, anyway. I, I, you know, weirdly, the the thing I actually wanted to play the other day was I I wanted to I want to play Banjo Kazooie because I never played it, and then I saw some YouTube video about like the world design of Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie, and I was like. Oh, I should go back and play those. And they're on the Xbox. They're on Xbox Live now, right? So like, I, w- I could buy an S to play Banjo-Kazooie. It's ridiculous. I should just download the ROM instead. Wow, he said out loud. I can't believe it's not on Switch Online as well. I guess they can't because of licensing. Yeah, like Rare owns it, not Nintendo. I don't know. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. But yeah, I, I, would, I would quite like to play. I don't know why I'm even saying this. I'm never going to have time. I don't even have time to freaking play like Starfield or... Yeah you know you need to st- stop watching youtube yeah i know i know i need to stop watching four hours of youtube about banjo kazooie and just play banjo kazooie yeah anyway i i thought that was an interesting stat yeah because that's causing headache for developers i mean does that lead us nicely because that's what happened with Baldur's Gate 3 yes <laughs> they couldn't get the split screen to work on series s properly i believe and it's still not on Xbox yet. Yeah, it's being held back because the Series S version has issues. And I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of surprised about the decision, but maybe it's a Microsoft policy thing to say, like, you're not allowed to release a severely different... Like, you, I suppose you can't release it without multiplayer on just the S and have the full yeah. fat version on the X. You know, They've got to be equivalent. Yeah, but that means it's being held back. But it is funny, right? Because that's another thing that's emerged from the leak that Microsoft like super lowballed Larian for getting Baldur's Gate three on Game Pass. Yeah, yeah. Like I think they offered them like five million, which is less. What what else was in the list? It's like actually really comically low compared to the other things in the list. I don't know. That's a really. Let's have a look. So they they describe Baldur's Gate 3 as a second-run Stadia PC RPG. And and they say, like, partner ask around $5 million. Whereas, like, the other AAA titles on there, they're asking, like, $250 million. So it's, like, way, 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 way down there. It's like... Wait, what's getting... What's, who's asking for $250 million? As, as in, well, you've got... Yeah, like Warner Brothers Suicide Squad, it says 250 million. It says greater than 250 million. What? EA, Jedi Survivor, over 300 million. Mortal Kombat Next, which I guess is Mortal Kombat 1, 250 million. You know, like these other big games are asking big money. And then you've got Baldur's Gate 3, which is, you know, in the running for game of the year. And people are saying it's like one of the greatest games ever made now, which is kind of wild. And like, you know, but here they're saying like, eh, five million. That would I mean, have been the coup. Yeah. The other thing they've got on here for five million is Return to Monkey Island. But that's kind of more like indie level at this point, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah, it's funny. I, Gate 3. I understand. I mean, I understand. It's not, it's niche. It, I thought it was niche. It it was niche. It was definitely very niche. I am shocked that it has become the the poster child for everything that gaming has been missing for the past like ten to twenty years. Right, like it's literally been put up on a pedestal and going like, "This is what games used to be." Like, why can't we have games like this anymore? Right. Yeah. And latest news: you can change your the name of your character now. Wait, wait, what? In the latest patch. Could you really? Yeah. I did not know that. Because I, I realised actually I'd also name my character kind of wrong. <laughs> As in how, what, what does kind of wrong mean? The, the original concept for my character was, was a ripoff of this character from a sci-fi universe. Actually, just the name. We should talk about this in the Baldur's Gate 3 app. But okay. like, but... I called them Tyra Thect, but actually they're meant to be Tyra Thect, like Tyra first name, Thect second name, when I made them as a D&D character. But then I just called them Tyra Thect in VG3, and I was just like, oh wait, there was meant to be two names. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) It's better than the default name. Oh yeah, terrible. I thought the other funny thing was their forecasts. So, 
Is it funny, Mike? Is it funny, yeah, really? Is it funny? Is it funny? Yeah, you know what? None of it's actually really that funny. None of it's really that funny. The thing I actually cared about on the forecast was that they list Dishonored 3. Yeah. For next year. For next year? Yeah, for next year. Yeah, for next year. But everything's a bit delayed, I think. Well, everything's, yeah, because this, this has got Starfield as coming out in 2020, right? So <laughs> it's like severely delayed. Wait, no, no, no not, not 2020. 2021. No, 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 sorry, 2021. 21. Yeah. yeah. I just love the revenue forecasts of these things. Now I really appreciate that the Fallout 3 remaster is going to bring in 190, is it million? Million dollars versus Dishonored 3 will only bring in 90 million dollars. I guess, is it going to release end of the year? I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. Yeah, it's so sad. That's that's the thing. Like I realise immersive sims just don't sell very well because they're just not very accessible because they require more thought to play. Because looking at Deathloop, I mean, they had real expectations of Deathloop. $55 million. Yeah, I mean, again, I didn't think Deathloop was that good. But on the other hand, I should be grateful that it got made at all. And and again, like, you can see why the Bethesda RPGs are trending in the simple and flashier route. Because it just makes so much money. Yeah. I mean, Even though it's it's sad because I, I I still think Morrowind is the best one. <laughs> so looking here, Oblivion remaster first year 190 million, Fallout 3 remaster first year 190 million. Well, no wonder they keep remaking Skyrim. Yeah, Sky- no Skyrim is like a billion dollar franchise at this point, right? Yeah, it, not not the Elder Scrolls, just Skyrim. <laughs> I would, I think I would play a Fallout 3 remaster. Do you play Fallout 3? No, I've not played it. Okay. I kind of missed missed it. I think it's on PC it's super chanky. I'm not even sure if it, it'll run. I've got it. But I'm not sure if it'll even run right now. Yeah, I think it's it's also like a locked frame rate thing, isn't it? Like doesn't the physics go nuts if you if you unlock the frame rate? Yeah, it's from that era of gaming. It was a good game. I I enjoyed it. I always meant to go back and play the expansions and never got around to it. Also, Redfall. Redfall's got some fairly high numbers attached to it. Uh-oh. I, I read the other day that they're, they're not... At times, there aren't enough players, concurrent players, to even uh, make a team. Yeah, it, it's sad, actually. It is sad. I mean, the thing is, like, I, I hope that Dishonored 3 hasn't been derailed by the failure of Redfall. Because I guess Redfall was their attempt to make like a live service, you know, like a live service immersive sim kind of thing. And it's an immersive sim. It's more like a Left 4 Dead. Still, it by all accounts is not very good and has not sold very well. I read some rumours that all the immersive sim devs have left the studio because of Deadfall. Redfall. Deadfall. Redfall. But where would they go? That's the thing. Where would they even go? Who's making immersive sims? It's true. Are they still making Deus Ex? And that's the thing. I don't think so. They should make a Deus Ex remaster. I would. I oh, would yes. pay top dollar for for a Deus Ex remaster. Yeah. And then I would pay equally top dollar for a Deus Ex sequel that was good. Just like just just forget the sequel that we got. Just just throw it in the bin and just give us another one. That's hard to do. That's hard to do, yeah. <laughs> just just Disney it. Just uh, don't, don't Disney it. I'm I just thinking of like Star Wars where they just threw all the expanded universe in the bin. But actually, you know what? Let's not do that. Let's not go there. I think that was bad as well. Good thing I wasn't a super Star Wars fan to begin with. <laughs> Anything else? They considered buying Nintendo. Oh, yes. Oh, how did I forget that? But, you know, I actually think is this new? Like this leaked at the time, didn't it? This leaked this leaked years ago. Like Mate. now now we've literally got it in writing, but like I, I kind of already knew they considered buying Nintendo. And Nintendo were just like, <laughs> no. I think they were doing much worse. Were they doing worse at the time? Is it pre-Switch? Possibly. I feel like this is when they tried to join the console wars. I I don't know. This is me speculating now, I feel. Yeah, so Microsoft casually discussed buying Nintendo or Valve 
it seems. But I thought they even went to Nintendo. That's what the original room was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they did. And Nintendo were just like, we're not for sale. Wow. Apparently, they first made an offer in 1999. Oh, that sounds about right. Yeah. I think that idea has now evolved into, you know, something less hostile. I think the, the plans are still there to do it. But, well, so this most recent leak attempt comes from 2020. So that's post-Switch. Like, Nintendo is riding high in 2020. Shocking, though. Just goes to show how much... Nintendo's not a cheap company, right? So for Microsoft to casually be like, oh, maybe we could buy Nintendo. I mean, I mean, what's your view of this? I mean, you think, oh, this is... This represents Microsoft at the height of its power, or do you think this represents Microsoft at, at the height of its of, of height of desperation? It's just that they're so rich; they've just got so much money. <laughs> you can't get away from the fact they have too much money. They just got so much money that they can. They literally like we're just going to win by buying up all the competition. You know, if we own everyone, then we win by default. They won't win. <laughs> they won't win. They're like the. <laughs> sorry, we're going to make another Star Wars reference. They're like the tighter you squeeze, the more systems will slip through your grasp. You know. I don't think they can make games that people want to play. That's why they're buying all the companies that do make the game. They don't. They're not though. Like Starfield is not the game. Maybe it is, but it Starfield isn't. Wa- Starfield was the game, except that it turned out that it wasn't. But, but the hype was there. The dream was there. I mean, I didn't believe in the dream, which is why I didn't, you know, that's why I wasn't super hyped for Starfield. But a lot of people thought it was real. But maybe it's like Series X again. It's people want Starfield, just not us. I think I do want the idealized Starfield, but I just didn't think it, I just didn't think it could be done. But I think people want, and it wasn't. But I think people want Starfield as it is today, just not us. I don't think that's the case. Okay. <laughs> I don't wow. think that's the case. From people's reactions to it, I don't think that's the case. No no one's talking about Starfield in the same way they're talking about Baldur's Gate 3. Because people who people who enjoy Starfield are busy playing Starfield. Whereas people who love Baldur's Gate 3 have created time to write about Baldur's Gate 3 because it is amazing. People I mean, playing you Starfield. Might, you might be right. People playing Starfield don't have time to swap people like you away. You know, they're busy. I don't have the energy to talk to you non-believers. So you're saying Starfield is like the diet version of Star Citizen? At least it exists. At least it exists, yes. It's because it's because we all want we we all want like an alternate universe space game, you know. We all want that game to exist, but but it just doesn't. It just doesn't. It's not there. I don't think Star Citizen will ever come out at this point. It just needs another billion dollars. <laughs> it hasn't even got his first billion yet. Yeah, I know. It's only a matter of time, though. I mean, the the Avengers cost... What was, was Avengers was a billion dollars, right? Did they put a billion dollars into making the Avengers movies? Or Avengers movie? It can't be one movie. It's going to be multiple movies. It costs... Yeah, to make the whole... All four... Yeah, maybe. Maybe it was just the franchise, isn't it? Ah, who cares? Who cares? Who knows? So one last item was they're going to make a fully digital console, but I don't think this was such a big deal. That's not a big deal, is it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mostly buy games digitally anyway, which is, I mean, it's it's got pros and cons. I'm not saying everyone should do it, but I don't think it's that surprising these days. Did you read that article? Maybe I'm I'm misrepresenting it. No, I, yeah, I read it. This is the new hardware where instead of it being a box, it's like a cylinder. Is that right? Yes. Is is it a Series X refresh? Basically, it's going to be like a cheaper Series X. Yeah. Actually, you know what? The other interesting hardware comment that came out of the comments on the PS5 reveal was they talked about how Sony might have a advantage in the future because they are using off-the-shelf NVMe storage rather than having to have like specialized hardware. Whereas Microsoft, you have to buy those little one terabyte like memory card things, right? 
So I wonder if they refresh it, will it just take regular NVMe storage or will you still have to buy those special memory cards? I don't know why that matters. It matters if you've got a digital thing and you you need more space. If it's digital only, the space is definitely important then. It's not... I, um, I don't know. I've not upgraded my PS5 yet. And did I upgrade my PS4? Yes, I did. So even then I need more dis- uh, sorry space. I quite like the idea. I can just plug it in with the Xbox, right? The Xbox approach, I just buy it. A cartridge. You buy like a little cartridge and plug it in, but I think it costs way more than an equivalent NVMe drive would do. Okay, fine. Yeah. You, you're not price sensitive anyway, it turns out. So, no. You're time sensitive instead. So, super time sensitive. Yeah. No, it's just funny. I think none of these things actually really turned out to matter in the end. Like everything has just got lowest common denominated to hell, right? Because no one's using the extra 20 to 30% compute performance of the xbox no one's using the extra uh loading bandwidth whatever of the playstation it's all kind of just been smeared out because people are making cross-platform stuff yeah except for the exclusives but the exclusives it's hard to tell because there's so few of them yeah well maybe maybe there'll be more if microsoft now microsoft has actually bought activities because that went through didn't it that went through. Yeah. But all the ActiBliss stuff is cross-platform at scale, if you know what I mean. For now. So at Gamescom, people saw... Switch to behind the scenes. We're just going to speculate because it's happening next year. There's like nothing to say for this. I feel like we can speculate. I, if, the thing is, if we're early, we don't get caught up in the news cycle. Okay. And we can throw in some epic predictions. Epic predictions. Go on then. Go on. I'll let you do this. This is you. So let's just start with basics. Will we have cartridges or cards? Yes. The physical cards. Will it be backwards compatible? Mm, I actually think this one's not obvious. I actually think the obvious answer is yes, but I actually think the real answer is going to be no. Or sort of. Yes, I think we sort of, unfortunately. Because I watched a very interesting video by Modern Vintage Gamer where he talks about the challenges of actually making a switch to so i think this is before this you know this leak happened but basically the way you know when you um you know when you play a game on pc these days actually i mean you probably wouldn't know this if you don't have a gaming pc but like often when you first boot up a game you've got to wait for the shaders to compile and it it takes quite a long time potentially and then there is now like some caching built in where if you've got like certain common hardware they'll try and send you like cached pre-compiled shaders or something uh versus compiling them like live on your machine but like compiling them for your machine i think has better performance etc 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 and like why don't you have to do this on consoles it's because they know exactly what the hardware is and the game just comes with the shaders already compiled and already baked in so why is this a problem because if you change the graphics hardware as you would in a switch 2 like you know superficially it's like oh it's the same you know cpu architecture so it should be fine but actually no none of the shaders will work and they don't ship the shader code to recompile them they've just got the compiled shaders for the for the specific hardware on the switch so it literally won't run on other hardware and you've got then the choice of either having to make compatibility patches for every game that have shaders that are compiled for the new hardware instead or shipping a switch graphics chip just for backwards compatibility basically just shipping a what tegra x1 you know soc just to run the old games which just seems nuts like i can't see that happening so i think what they'll probably do is 
they'll have limited backwards compatibility where they, you know, ship shaders for like the major games. Mm, sensible, sensible as always. But funny, right? So you'd think it would be easy to do backwards compatibility, but actually, but actually, no. And the the other interesting thing that came out of the the Gamescom leak was that they said it was running the Matrix demo, so it was running Unreal Five, and it had it had ray tracing and stuff, right? So surprisingly yeah. powerful. Yeah, but this is the beauty of NVIDIA. This is what the, you get for for partnering with NVIDIA. DLSS. Yeah. So what I've got here is it'll be at the power of a PS4, Xbox One. And then I've just said, oh, will it approach PS5, Xbox Series X thanks to DLSS, frame chain, and NVIDIA will give us ray tracing because they're so far ahead with it. It is definitely interesting. It's definitely interesting because we've definitely hit diminishing returns on graphics, like way, way, way diminishing returns, right? Like the, the Switch 1 is definitely like not powerful enough now. Like you can see it's really creaking at the seams, but but I don't think you need 40, 90 levels of graphics horsepower to look good. You you can make a good looking game in way less with way less graphical horsepower. So yeah, is it is it going to be good enough? You know that that probably would be good enough, and it would be a significant step up from what we've got at the moment. The sad thing is, I think the screen will be the same. Well, that was the other leak, right? That it's LCD, not OLED. Seven twenty as well. Good enough. Yes, I guess so. I mean, the best-selling Xbox is the Series S, so I, I don't even have a 4K TV. It's interesting. Your monitors are fourteen forty. Yeah. Your TV's four. Okay, fine. How do you live? Well, did you move your TV? Yeah, I moved my TV. <sighs> See, that's how you get rid of the TV. Leave it behind. Yeah, no one wanted it because it's, <laughs> it's so old. <laughs> No one wanted it. And all I use it for was to play the Switch, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> How did you work? Could you? Oh, you couldn't really work on a 4K TV anyway. Yeah, I just, well, I just use my monitors. Yeah. Yeah, so tangent. Let's get back to it. I think that they'll keep the price low again because the, the screen will be the same. The, the Switch was a winning formula. The Switch was... Actually, you know what? This is funny, though. Because, like, the Switch was a winning formula. So was the Wii. Are, no, it, are wasn't. We getting... it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't? It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Because okay, the, the, the handheld part was tethered to your... That, that's the Wii U. That's the Wii U. This is what oh, I'm trying sorry. to say, right? Oh, sorry. The Wii was a winning formula. The Wii U was not. No. The Switch is a winning formula. The Switch 2... I think it's still a winning formula. Yeah, it's, but, no, it's no brain. But, but if they call it the Switch U, then what? They call it the Swatch. You know, like how how can they how can they screw this up, right? Oh, they can't. Because they've got Pokemon. I mean, the whole problem prior to the Switch was they couldn't, they would have like develop team, development teams split across two platforms and Pokemon was killing it on the handheld, but nothing was killing it on the on the main console. And how they fix that problem? Well, that's also just because they didn't. That's also just because they didn't make a console main Pokemon game. Like they totally could have done that. Yeah, they like, could. Why done. didn't they? Why didn't they do that? Because I don't know. Blinkers, well, they, but... they solved that problem now. Yeah, they solved that problem by making their only. They only need to make one. So still a hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, I I I think that's the way to go as well. Second half of next year. So what holiday? That would make sense, yeah. That would make sense. And what would you? What would be the launch titles? Yeah, that's the, the speculation is Prime Four because we haven't seen Prime Four. No, we've not seen Prime Four. Like we, we've literally seen nothing of Prime Four, but like, has it been a logo for seven years? <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a logo for seven years. Exactly, exactly. They were just like, we made it. It was crap. We we got in the original devs to start again. Here's a logo. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. We've got nothing to show you. Yeah. So maybe they're not showing us because it looks too good. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to be at a firm where just 
you're just so cash rich where you get to do things right. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Tim? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're trying to say. So good. Yeah. And a Mario Mario 3D game. Well, this is what I'm Od- Odyssey 2? Odyssey yeah. 2, maybe? I think so. Yeah, it would be good. It would be good. And then we haven't had a Mario Kart. We didn't get a new Mario Kart for Switch, did we? Well, we got the old Mario Kart. Yeah. But but now people actually played it because it wasn't on the Wii U. Okay, so, fine. That's is a new title. So we kind of got one. The, the problem is that actually the Switch versions of these games are actually like too good. Like you can see from like an NBA scumbag make all the money business exec point of view, right? Like, you know, to... to to mention a Baldur's Gate 3 thing as well, like, well, you're, you're over-delivering. You're over-delivering. You gave people too much, right? Like, the Smash Brothers on Switch, everybody's here. Like, it's literally just got every character, like, in the universe in it kind of thing. Like, it's got every character from every Smash up to this point is in the game, basically, and a load of new ones too. Like, where do you go from there? And the same thing with Mario Kart. It's got, like, so many tracks now. Right, they've just been adding these DLC tracks. There's so many freaking tracks. There's so many characters. Where do you go from there? You just do it again. I guess you just do it again, or you try and do something radically different, and everyone hates it. Like may- maybe that's the secret. You make new Coke, everyone hates it, and then you go back to old Coke, and everyone laps it up. Yeah, but you do it authentically, you know. You, you-, you actually try yeah. rather than <laughs> deliberately. <laughs> Let's give them some shit and then they'll come crying back to us for the old stuff. If we can only overlap this with the next section, it's like a great way to overlap. Yeah. Oh, I want to say Thousand Year Door. Thousand Year Door. That was a surprise. Just like from the Nintendo Direct. They didn't announce a Switch 2. They didn't give us anything more than the logo for Prime 4. They haven't given us the next 3D Mario, but... We do have a Thousand Year Door remake. That's a surprise. Is that important to you? It's a good one, right? That's genuinely the best Mario RPG from what I've heard. Okay. Maybe we should give it a go. The second thing, and this is a point that I think might be lost on many, is a big and substantial portion of digital revenues or microtransactions. When you are six hours into playing Battlefield and you run out of ammo in your clip and we ask you for a dollar to reload, you're really not very price sensitive at that point in time. Um, And for what it's worth, the cogs on the clip really low. And so um, essentially what ends up happening and the reason the, the play first, pay later model works so nicely is a consumer gets engaged in a property, they might spend 10, 20, 30, 50 hours on the game. And then when they're deep into the game, they're well invested in it. We're not gouging, but we're charging. And at that point in time, the commitment can be pretty high. As a personal anecdote, I spent about five Shall we move on? Yes, finally. To the main event. This is why I wanted to do this entire episode in the first place, which is so I can talk about the Unity pricing meltdown, you know, runtime fee dumpster fire. Like everything... Everything in Unity just completely exploded. Everyone was just like, everyone was just literally rioting in the Unity game dev space. Like everyone was actually genuinely willing the company to fail. You know, like they announced this and they were like, it it was actually just like this group outpouring of just like primal screaming. You know, we were all just like down with Unity, burn it all to the ground. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but... But let's talk about runtime fees in a little bit. Give it a little bit more background. I mean, okay, there is absolutely loads that we could talk about here. Like, I could literally... We could literally have done, like, a two-hour episode (laughs) just on this. And... It may not be that interesting. You have half an hour. (laughs) Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Uh, Well, the thing is, this got... Actually, I was going to say this got a lot of coverage. It got a lot of coverage in my personal feeds, probably because I was interested in it. Like, I'm not sure this got a lot of coverage in absolute terms, but I, I do think it did get a fair amount of coverage, right? Like, because even lots, devs were, yeah, a lot of devs were talking about it because 
because so many people use Unity now. Like Unity, Unity is like the game engine, right? Like if you are a massive, massive studio making AAA games, then you're probably either rolling your own engine or using Unreal. But for everyone else, everyone else uses Unity. And that's because it's kind of good enough. It's kind of good enough. And it's the one everyone just kind of learns on because the scripting language is C-sharp, which is honestly quite a straightforward language. And it's free for, well, for personal use, for educational use, for hobby. I mean, so is Unreal, but like Unreal still carries this like stigma of being hard to use. And so Unity just announced, hey, we're going to start charging this runtime fee. And the thing that made it crazy was that it was retroactive. Again, to make a Star Wars reference, I'm just, I'm just doing loads of Star Wars references today. You know, it's like, I'm changing the terms of the deal. Pray I don't change them further. They, they literally just said, oh, by the way, from January 24, you will be liable for this runtime fee. And every time your game, you know, once your game reaches a revenue and install threshold, every time your game is installed, you will have to pay us this fee. And the fee could be as high as 20 cents per install. So that means if you've got a game that doesn't make very much money, right? Like, let's say you, 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 make, you make a game that either sells for a tiny amount or has like some advertising in it and it makes just over the threshold, right? Like it, it gets installed like millions and millions and millions of times because it's like free to download, free to install, whatever, free to play. It's got some advertising. It just squeaks over the 200,000 revenue threshold. Now the runtime fee is going to absolutely kill you. Like you will have to pay Unity more money than you made from the game. You will literally be bankrupt because Unity will like repossess your house, right? Because you'll owe you'll owe Unity like maybe millions of dollars for your game that made two hundred thousand dollars. Or if your competitor really hates you, they're just going to just click install. Yeah, they can hate install your game because <laughs> the thing is, they were saying like, what about you know like Humble Bundle or what about if it's on Game Pass? And then Unity, Unity was just like totally winging it. They were just saying like, oh, we won't count charity bundles. Oh, we won't count pirated copies. Uh, we'll charge Microsoft the fee, not you, if it's on Game Pass. And they were like, wait a minute, did Microsoft agree to this? So they were just like totally winging it and just trying to like plug holes in this policy, which is, but it was really bizarre because they had clearly thought about the policy a lot Right. If you actually looked at the T's and C's, they had stuff in there saying like, oh, if the game is substantially similar, you know, then it counts as the same game. Or if you sell the game to another corporate entity, well, that doesn't matter. That doesn't reset the count. And you know, they had all these provisos to like make sure that you couldn't game the system. But all these things that were like absolutely terrible for game devs, well, too bad. Like literally, if you bought the game and installed it, and then uninstalled it, and reinstalled it. They originally said that would count as two installs. Then they backpedaled on that. But they said, okay, well, if you buy the game, you install it on, like, a desktop PC and a laptop, well, that counts as two installs. Like, they didn't backtrack on that. And then, yeah, the main issue was that it was retroactive. So games that were already out there were suddenly liable for this fee. So if you had, if you had a business model that you had gone and, you know, worked out how to make a profitable game development business well suddenly that's out the window because actually you have to account for this totally unexpected runtime fee so yeah everyone hated it the entire internet the entire game dev internet was aflame with this you know unreal was sitting on sidelines eating the popcorn i was eating the popcorn because i'm you know the dream is dead for me <laughs> you know i'm not doing any game dev now but totally crazy and and the thing is, right, Unity were like, what's the problem? What's the problem? All you game devs who are up in arms about this, you make no money anyway. You don't have to, you don't have to pay for this, right? Like th they were basically doing this because of stuff like Genshin Impact, because of stuff like Pokemon Go, right? They see companies using Unity and making billions of dollars and they want they want a slice of it, right? So 
just crazy. But, how, but the how, thing is, right, no one no one wants to be like, yeah, my game's going to be a failure, so I don't have to worry about this. People people are going to worry about this. So what fees do Genshin Impact and Pokemon Go have to pay? Well, so that's the thing. That's the major differentiator between Unity and Unreal up to this point, was that Unity had a per-seat license and Unreal was revenue share. So for Unreal, you could use it completely for free. And if your game made over a million dollars, then you had to pay 5% revenue share. And, you know, there were some other like ways to shave that down if you distributed it on the you know Epic Game Store or something. Unity, they had the free license, like the personal license. They had Plus, uh, they had Professional and Enterprise. They had these different tiers that gave you different like support capabilities or had different requirements for the amount of like funding your company had and yeah basically if you didn't expect to make very much money or you had very little funding you were allowed to use like the plus license otherwise you had to use professional and i think enterprise was basically the same as professional but with better support and you just paid for that per seat license so everyone in the company who was doing dev would have to have like a unity pro license for example so it was like one or two thousand dollars a month? A year? I think it was like a year. Like it was really very good value. You know, that's why everyone was using Unity. But then with the runtime fee, it became much more complicated because the fee depended on the kind of license you had and then where the install was happening. So they had like developing nations had a different runtime fee and they were like volume discounts, like, you know, the first million after the first million were this. And then it was like, blah, blah, blah. It was a more complicated calculation. And and they were saying like, well, it's still better than 5% revenue share. Like, what are you complaining about? But like, it depended on your business model. It Basically, it made some business models completely non-viable or like a vampire survivors, right? Like if you... If you accidentally made an indie breakout hit like Vampire Survivors, right, they're charging $3. They've got to give 30% to Steam. They've got to give 30% in like US withholding taxes or something. And then like they've got to give 20 cents to Unity. You know, like how much is left after that? Not very much is the answer. So it's pretty nuts. I mean, anyway, this is all old hat. Like you should, you should go and watch some of the outrage videos from when this all arose right like even like actually it's funny right like the slay the spire devs broke cover like mega crit and they said we never say anything but we're coming out to say we've been working on another game and we were using unity and we hate this we're going to restart development on another engine unless all of this is rolled back that's how badly you f***ed up you know like mega crit never say anything and they came out just to say this so Everyone hated this and it did get rolled back. It did get rolled back. So now you pay the lower of the runtime fee or two and a half percent revenue share. So that's the thing that's funny, right? Unity previously always said they wouldn't do revenue share. And that's what distinguished them from Unreal. And that's what made them better than Unreal. That's why you should use Unity over Unreal, right? But now, so... Now there's revenue share, but it's it's still much less than Unreal. It's still half of Unreal's revenue share. But then you still got to pay the per seat license cost. So you can see why Unity want to do this because they want they want more money. And you could debate that maybe you know they were giving too much away by not having any kind of revenue share. But Still, big disruption. Everyone's very unhappy. And it was done in an extremely ham-fisted way. Oh, I'm, okay. Actually, and this is the other key thing, right? So now it only applies going forward. It doesn't apply retroactively. And it's re- going forward regardless of the license you have right now. As in, if your game was, re- if I game, if my game re- was released last year, you don't have to pay the runtime fee. You don't have to pay the revenue share. If my game is released tomorrow. So it will only apply if you build your game on a version of the Unity engine released in 2024. 
Okay. Quick, quick, everywhere. <laughs> just force yeah. something out now. Yeah, yeah, so the thing is, like, if you, you can just stay on an old version of the Unity engine and you won't be liable for this fee. Okay, in 2024. Well, just in perpetuity, they've oh, now perfect. said. So, so this is the thing that was interesting because this isn't the first time Unity has unilaterally changed the license. And I, and I think this is actually the reason why this is a much bigger deal and why it's going to be very hard for Unity to win trust back because they've done this before. I, I actually think this is the problem here. Like, If this is the first time they've done this, they'd be like, wow, we really screwed up and we've learned our lesson. We're really sorry. We won't do this again. right? But they already did this and they said, oh, wow, we really screwed up and we've really learned our lesson. We won't do this again. Psych, we did it again. <laughs> You know, this is this is the second time they've done this for sure. But nothing, nothing bad happened last time. So we're, we're rolling the dice again. Well, that's the thing. That's what that's what's that's what's so wild about this. Oh, actually, you know what? You, oh, I'm just so sad, right? Because like I actually have been using Unity since like 2010. Like I I've been using Unity from before it was free. Unity used to have two versions, Indie and professional and indie cost two hundred dollars for a license and professional was like a thousand something dollars for a license and i bought a unity indie license like in 2010 and then i bought a unity professional license which is another whole story but the thing is i've been using unity a long time right and unity unity was like this cool scrappy game engine that was like fighting is unreal and it was just getting better and better and better and i was just like oh it's so cool i feel like i'm part of something right i'm part of like the indie scene and then like what are they doing now Unity's just becoming like progressively more and more evil because they bought they bought that company that was famous for malware distribution as well right <laughs> and that's and, and that's part of this story too because they bought like unity bought iron source which is this company that makes installers and tracks installs and things. And yeah, Iron Source was famous for malware installation. I mean, whether or not that was really true, well, I know. I mean, it was true, but whether it was their main thing is, a, is another matter. But like, they certainly were involved in malware distribution for one reason or another. And that merger with Iron Source is actually the backbone of Unity's ad offering now. Whereas Unity actually fought off an acquisition attempt by another company called AppLovin. And that's implicated in this whole runtime fee fiasco as well, because behind closed doors, Unity were saying, if you don't want to pay the runtime fee, if you switch your ad service from AppLovin to Unity ads powered by Iron Source, then you don't have to pay the runtime fee. So it was secretly a way of trying to put AppLovin out of business because AppLovin was doing way better than Unity ads. There's just so many dimensions to the story. There's like, there's just so much here. That's the thing. That's why it's crazy. Like you could literally talk for hours about it. Sorry, I just keep jumping all over the place. Oh dear, it's terrible. Anyway, anyway. Yes, the key thing is they've done this before. In 2019, Unity changed the terms of service in a way that seemed to specifically target a company called Spatial OS. And then Spatial OS were like, why are you doing this to us? You know, like we were, we were trying to work with you. We we're trying to be a partner. And you've just like, you've literally changed the TOS just to kill our business because you want to get into it yourselves, right? Long story short, they later backpedaled and they added a clause to the terms of service to say that you were allowed to stay on the terms of a particular version of Unity, like a Unity long-term support version. You know, if we change the terms of service, but you're using a particular version of Unity LTS, you can stay on the terms of service from that version in perpetuity. So they, they put that in their terms of service. And then they put up a GitHub repo with the Unity TOS so you could track changes to the Unity terms of service. So this is the, you know, this is the first time they did this and they were like, oh, we're very sorry and we've learned our lesson and we, we understand you need to make a sustainable business and you need to understand how the business is going to work going forward and we won't change the terms of service or you can keep the terms of service, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think Unreal actually has a similar clause in theirs because of, their, you know, a similar kind of situation. So yeah, this literally has happened before. And then the funny thing is that Unity took down the GitHub repo of the terms of service sometime between like 
October 2022 and April 2023. Like no one's sure exactly when it happened, but they, it got taken down. And then in one of the tweets during this whole controversy, Unity was saying, oh, we're so disappointed that people are misconstruing, you know, us taking down the GitHub repo as us trying to hide the terms of service. The terms of service are available on our website. We just took down the GitHub repo because the views are low. And it's just like, do you not know how GitHub works? Like, is this is this a bunch of lawyers not knowing how it works? Or is this a bunch of lawyers acting mock offended, you know, because they wanted to take it down and and they're trying to come up with a reason why they did it that's completely disconnected? You know, it's like, do they think we're that stupid? Do they want us to think that they're that stupid? Like, it's, it's, it's just madness. And then, yeah, we've got Mark Witten, you know, the head of Unity Create, which runs the Unity engine and editor teams. And yeah, he's saying like, oh, I'm really sorry. We really screwed up. I mean, what's his actual statement? Let me read his actual statement. I'm committed to making sure that we continue to work as hard as we can to earn your trust. This could only be done through actions, not words. But their actions have shown us that they're like lying scumbags, that they're not to be trusted. They've literally done this multiple times. You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Like, How can anyone trust Unity? What are the actions that would let us trust Unity again? Fire John Riccitello. Fire John Riccitello. No. We waited this long to mention him. <laughs> I actually don't know if it would really make a difference. I'm, I'm actually... There's some comedy. There's some comedy gold in there. The one where you're... The one about Battlefield is gold. That, that, that's the problem. He's actually just like... He, he's actually just like a supervillain, right? He's like a comic book supervillain. It's actually... I mean, he's not really a supervillain. He's just like a comic book business villain. I don't know. It, it's just ridiculous. It's actually... We should talk about the Battlefield scenario. Just... Yeah, okay. So so basically, the CEO of Unity since 2014 has been this guy, John Riccitello. He is the former CEO of EA. And his CEO-ship of EA is the period when EA basically became the butt of all jokes, right? Like when EA became the company famous for being like an evil empire that was trying to, I'm <laughs> sorry, it's another Star Wars reference, that was trying to squeeze every last cent out of your like mangled husk of a body. <laughs> that was John Riccitello's EA. And, you know, he's famously said on the record, I think on an investor call, when you are six hours into playing Battlefield and you run out of ammo in your clip and we ask you for a dollar to reload, you're not very price sensitive at that point in time. He, he said that at a stockholder meeting in 2011. You know, this is, this is the guy we've got running Unity. He is right, though. I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah, but that's the problem. That's why he's evil. He's so evil. Or maybe he's just a brilliant businessman. He's just got no scruples. He's got no scruples. He had them surgically removed. That's why he's so good. That's why he actually looks like Emperor Palpatine. I'm sorry, the Star Wars reference is just flowing today. It's, it's strange. Or, or, you know, from a more recent interview, right, from July 2022, when he's talking about the iron source merger, Ferrari and some other high-end car manufacturers still use clay and carving knives. It's a very small proportion of the gaming industry that works that way, and some of these people are my favourite people in the world to fight with. They're the most beautiful, brilliant, and pure people. They're also some of the biggest f***ing idiots. You know? It's like, yeah, put malware in your game. Put malware in your games to serve up offensive ads. Like, take all the money. Take all the money. Did do you just... want to make a good game, or do you want to make a game that makes a lot of money? Do you just say Ferrari's designed by idiots? What he was saying, you know, like, yeah, Ferrari's got some beautiful purists who make beautiful cars, right? Because they've got clay and modeling knives and they're sculpting it versus just put out another Ferrari and charge like a million dollars for it. People will buy it. For the heated seats. <laughs> Subscription. All dime them. Yeah. Subscription all the things. Subscription breaks. When you're going 100 miles per hour down the highway, <laughs> you're not very price sensitive at that point. When you need those airbags. <laughs> when you need those airbags. Jeez. Oh dear, can you imagine? It'd, it'd be like if a self-driving car convinced you to put like the, the company in your will and then just crashed you, you know? <laughs> like, didn't didn't we talk about um having like a 
a payment, a point of payment in the car. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were talking about having like contactless payment in the car. You're right. Microtransactions in the car. We need it in the house first. We need it in the house first. <laughs> we need it in the house first. We, neither of us has an MBA. <laughs> Maybe we should go and get one. <laughs> oh, so I swear, John Ricketts. I swear, you're not supposed to have third parties manage your your Wikipedia page, right? But I swear John Riccitello must have a PR company watching his Wikipedia page. Because if you look at his Wikipedia page, none of this stuff is on there. It just talks about how much money he's raised and charity work he's done or something, you know. There's nothing in here about these controversial decisions or about how he presided over EA when they were voted like most hated company in America or or just like any of it. Like, that's not to say the edits haven't been made. They were just all reverted as vandalism. Or vandalism. Yeah, they just said vandalism, like ban this user for vandalism. And it's just like, it's not vandalism. It's true. I hope some Wikipedia admins care about gaming and then actually just like ban these PR firms. I'm making very strong statements. I actually don't know if any of this is really true, right? Like, I actually don't even know if getting rid of John Riccatello would really make a difference. I don't know if he's the real problem, but like you need a scapegoat, right? You need a scapegoat. The game dev community demands a sacrifice. It seems like they need to make money. Well, they, <laughs> yeah, also may be true. That's, that's the thing, like which is the lesser of two evils, but it's just funny because it's, it's literally got to the point where now everyone is trying to switch to Godot or Default or Game Maker or Unreal, obviously. Like, people are saying, like, hey, Unreal's got a lot easier to use. I mean, I, I just don't know. But it, it is just mad because it has literally got to the point where I feel like for a lot of game devs, if Unity literally, like, not literally, if Unity figuratively burned to the ground, like the whole company just imploded as a result of this, they'd kind of be happy. They'd be like, this is what you get. You deserve it. You know, like, I, I just don't even know anymore. I mean, it's weird. I, I've got no skin in the game anymore now. Like, I'm just, I am now just a bystander because for me, the dream is dead. <laughs> for now. For now. I don't know. It's, it's perverse. I mean, it's, it's, I just feel like Unity has not been making good decisions for their theoretical customers for the people who actually were paying for licenses for the game engine. Because, like, Unity Unity has forever been trying to have this, like, DOTS system, like, data-oriented... I can't even remember what it stands for. Some, like, different way of managing data that was more effective. Because, like, Unity... <laughs> it's, it's actually kind of funny. Like, the reason I think I liked Unity is because to a C-sharp dev, which is very similar to Java which is like my first language, it looks very familiar because it's kind of very object-oriented. But that's actually also a terrible way to write a game engine, right? It's actually kind of really inefficient. And so if you look at how a lot of people who are writing custom engines do, like if you look, like, if you look at like Jonathan Blow, right? And like the reason he's always like lambasting engines is because like you can be much more efficient by not being object-oriented. And Unity had this dots or ECS, like they had, they had this other way of managing items, entities, whatever, that was supposed to be much more efficient. But it, it like, it's been in the works for years and years and years and years and years. It was always delayed. I think it's just about hit 1.0 now, finally. But it took years. Or they had this other game they were working on called Gigaya, where, you know, there were many complaints about Unity being actually very hard to, you know, it, it was, if you're making like, a hobby project, it was great. But if you're trying to actually make a game at scale, it was very hard to use because it was just like missing a lot of quality of life stuff. And so Unity said, okay, we're going to make a game because that will force us to like use our own product, right? We're going to dog food it. And then that is going to help us iron out a lot of these, you know, rough edges with the, with the product, right? And then that got cancelled. That got cancelled as like, not a good use of time or money, which maybe is true if they were really cash strapped. But again, this is why like the actual developer experience of Unity has not got any better. So yeah, I think their brand has been severely damaged. I don't know what it would take to regain actual trust. They've gone and said they're doing all the right things. The terms of service 
stuff. You can, you know, you can use the terms from the previous version. But they said that before and they reinstated the GitHub repository, but it was there before. Like all they've done is say all the same things they did last time before they went back on it like they did the last time. Right. So if they really want to show they're doing something, they've got to do something more. I, I do want to say perversely, this whole saga has actually maybe made the situation better if you do make an unsuccessful game. Because in the new version of Unity, where you will theoretically be liable for the runtime fee and all this stuff, well, they've got rid of the plus version. And so in the personal version of Unity now, the cap has been raised to $200,000 of funding slash revenue. There's no runtime fee and you don't have to show the Unity splash screen anymore. So basically, you're getting Unity Plus for free now. So if you're making an unsuccessful game, things are actually better for you now. But if you make a successful game, then now you've got to pay all this runtime for your revenue share. So, hmm. And then Unreal actually have gone and done something recently with their licensing too. But I don't think it affects game devs. I think for non-game dev users... Unreal is going to charge a per seat fee. So no one is no one is blameless. Or everyone needs more money. It's hard times, right? Unreal Unreal also did fairly big layoffs, 16% of the company. So Mike, will you use Unity when you restart your game dev career? I mean, I think I'm going to write an unsuccessful game, so it's probably fine. That's what I'm saying. The dream is dead. The dream is dead. So, so, so it's it's a case of if you if you reuse Unity, you you fundamentally believe your dream is dead. So, you, therefore, you cannot use Unity. No, I mean, being being serious, right? What are the options? Unity runtime fee slash two point five percent rev share. If your game is successful, Unreal higher ceiling so a million dollars instead of 200k but five percent rev share or yeah one of the more niche things like godot but i'm not convinced godot is actually ready for prime time honestly like it's cool and i mean maybe maybe we should all switch to godot for ideological reasons and just like blender it will become just as good or better but you know, it's it's not like Godot has feature parity with Unity yet. You know, it, it may get there, it, you know, in the same way that like Blender, Blender is amazing. So maybe one day Godot will be amazing, but I'm not sure it's there just yet. Or as I said, Default or Game Maker or one of these others. But most game, this is the thing I realized, like, really? Most games make hardly anything. Like, how much money would you have to make from a game for it to be worth giving up your day job? I mean, I guess it depends on how much your day job pays, but... It's got to be relative to your day job, right? You've got to make more or half. And a lot of games make way, 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 way less than that. That's the thing. Like, even... Even... A moderately successful indie game doesn't actually make that much money and it doesn't have that much of a long tail either. You know, I, I, and I think genuinely this is why it could, you know, maybe it's not malicious from Unity. Maybe it's genuinely incompetence. Like maybe they just genuinely didn't realize how people would react because they had previously promised that they wouldn't charge you rev share and they genuinely thought this was a way to not charge rev share and people will be happier with it. You know, because most games do not make enough money for this to impact them. Like literally 90% of games make less than 200K. But that's not the point. It's the aspiration. No, no, I know. I know. And that's why I'm saying that's why people reacted the way they did. And if they thought about it for five seconds, they should have known that. Right. And I'm sure it's like the blue tick fiasco at Twitter where lots of people must have been, you know, lots of people were telling Elon, like, selling the blue tick is a terrible idea, but they were all just, like, fired. 
until the people left were just like, okay, just toe the company line and nod and say, yeah, this is a great idea. Like, I'm sure lots of people internally were saying this is a terrible idea and people will hate it, but they were just fired or sidelined or ignored. But it's true. If you look at the numbers, most people are not affected by it. It's like um, the high rate tax bans. People protect them because they, they aspire to them. Not that they're paying that rate. It's oh man! All of, well, this is getting into dangerous territory now. Yeah, it's funny because like they haven't moved right, and everyone's well, actually not. And the problem is like number one, not everyone's salary has been going up. Uh, yes, I think they have been <laughs> due to due to inflation. But number two, even if people's salary has been going up, it's like a stealth tax increase because yeah. the bans haven't moved. It's necessary. We're a poor country now. You are a poor country now. We're a very poor country. Yeah, you had to cancel high speed too. You can't, you can't even afford a rail line. You've got the worst of all worlds. You, you compulsively purchased all that land and you ruined the landscape and now you're not even going to build the railway line. Yeah. Sorry, British. We've just segued into British politics. This is a sign that it's time to end. But they're going to, I think they're going to build small monuments to each of the, you know, all the, to, to anyone in the Red Wall. <laughs> oh dear. That's what we should do. We should do a politics podcast. It's a joke. It's all a big joke now. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on your podcasting platform. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. Should that have been on X? Technically, yes, but let's just go. <laughs> let's just go with it. Anywhere else? Reddit, r slash Lost Levels Club. That's it. So, Mike, what are you grateful for today? I'm just, I have nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to say. <sighs> so many things. Emma's Cruises, Star Wars, Cookie Clicker. Oh God, no, I'm not grateful for any of these things. They're all terrible. <laughs> Your life is full of terrible things that you're not grateful for. Yeah, I always, I always forget this section until it actually happens, and then I'm like, Shit. you don't need to prepare. You shouldn't need to prepare for it. it. Should be like a muscle that you've, you've honed over the last seven, eight years of this podcast. Not that we've been doing this section for eight years, but I feel like the whole we've point been is doing it for most of the time of this podcast. This is meant to be a regular practice that you just you build this muscle and you need to pull you, out you, things. You that know you're what? You for just immediately. You, you just said like, how long has this podcast been going for? Eight years. Is this eight years now? Seriously. It should. When I'm married. I think it is. Yeah, because it's, I've been doing this podcast longer than I have been married. <laughs> I have been so married seven I, I, years. I guess, I guess this is the time to say I'm grateful that we've now been doing eight years of the <laughs> podcast, which is kind of horrifying. <laughs> and I'm not sure this was the best episode, but well, you know. I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. Book Club resumes next month. <laughs> oh, yes. So Michael says bye. Bye-bye.